All right, as you're being seated, you know, look at somebody and wave to them or give them a give them an air fist bump or whatever, whatever you need to do this morning. And uh, can we give the band another round of applause? Uh, they work hard week in and week out. And uh, this morning, if you haven't been with us last few weeks, we are uh, continuing in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what the Apostle Paul tells us are, are the organic outgrowth of the Holy Spirit's power and presence at work within each and every one of us. And so uh, each week I've been encouraging you to memorize this list because this is really an image of who God wants us to be as he transforms us. And so this morning we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5 once again. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. And I'd love for you to read the fruit of the Spirit out loud with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so each week we've been looking closer at a different one, and this week we've come to faithfulness. Faithfulness. And when I was preparing and thinking about future messages and I came to this word faithfulness, one biblical story immediately came to my mind. And it's a story that I first heard uh, when I was a kid, probably in preschool, early elementary school. And when I first heard the story, it was read to me through one of those big kids' Bibles with amazing pictures in them. Anybody have one of those growing up? So it had all the pictures with the animals of the Bible, like lions and whales. And then it had the characters of the Bible. They were in like these kind of like weird outfits using tools I'd never seen before. It was kind of like a foreign world, and in a sense, I mean, when we look at the Bible, I mean, their culture is very different than our own, and these stories took place a long, long time ago. And this story is one that many of you have probably heard before. It's probably one, if you grew up in church at all, you heard as a child. But the interesting thing about this story that we often read and tell to kids is that we just kind of like put it on the shelf and put the kid's Bible away, and we really rarely revisit this story. But I think it's an important story to revisit because faithfulness is fading in our society. It's a, it's a fruit that's become more and more rare to find. But I think this story helps point us to what faithfulness can look like and how we can live with big and bold faithfulness ourselves. And so this morning, I'm, I'm going to tell that story to you. And it's, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I grew up in Conyers, Georgia, and I learned this story as a kid, and I always said Abednego. But actually, I was, I was like, you know, reading the text this week, and I was like, that is not how this word is spelled. It's spelled Abednego, but I'm going to say Abednego because, you know, I have a little country in me. Not, not, not a ton, but a little country in me. And uh, we're actually going to have some pictures up on the screen as well as we go through this story together. And don't laugh at the pictures because that's like literally what my haircut looked like in middle school, okay? So this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it, it took place many, many years ago in a, a place very, very far away in a time when there was a king named King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar had come in with his armies. He had invaded the Israelites' land. He had conquered Jerusalem and he began doing a lot of bad things to, to God's people, the Israelites. And one of the things he did was send people into exile 
he sent the Israelites to live in a foreign place under foreign rulers in a place called Babylon. And so as King Nebuchadnezzar was, was taking more land and conquering territory, uh, one of the things he discovered is, you know what, I need, I need more people in leadership in my kingdom. Like, I can't do this on my own. So he sent out word and he said, hey, find me some of the best and the brightest young Israelite men so that they can be at different levels of society. They could be leaders. So his assistants sent people out and they, they, they found, found some men and three of them. In Hebrew, they had other names, but when they became part of this kingdom and were living here, they got new clothes, they got new names, they were part of a new culture, and their names they were given to these three Israelite guys were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so early on, really, things were going well. These guys were growing in influence, and they were doing so well uh, assisting King Nebuchadnezzar that he kept promoting them until eventually they were overseeing affairs in Babylon. But then two things happen. The first is that uh, the native Babylonians, they began to get a little jealous of these foreigners. And they said, look, we know they have new names and new clothes, but they're not from around here and we don't like them. So that was one thing. And then the second thing was King Nebuchadnezzar built a statue. He built a statue of himself, a gold statue, about 90 feet high and nine feet wide. So he built this huge statue and once he made it, he said, look, every once in a while, instruments in the kingdom are going to play. And when the instruments play, I need you to bow down and worship this golden statue. And when you think of worship here, I don't want you to think like they weren't, you know, singing like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of King Nebuchadnezzar. Like they weren't like singing worship songs like we do on Sunday mornings. What they were doing is they were bowing down, they were ascribing worth value they were saying you are our ruler you are over all things they were they were giving him worth and respect and honor and so he said look i need everybody in the kingdom to do this and if you don't well uh i'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace and you'll be killed so one day the instruments began to play the instruments began to play and you might could guess what happened everybody bowed down and worshiped except three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and you might wonder, well, okay, well, why did these three guys not, not do it when everybody else was doing it? And it's because these three guys, they were, they were Israelites, and they knew God's law. They knew God's law. It was written on their hearts. I mean, they would have been very familiar with these things. So immediately their minds are going to what we find in Exodus chapter 20, where, where we read this, where God said to his people, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. So they knew this command from God. And I mean, if you look at the beginning of the command, it says, you know, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. They knew that the God they worshipped had been faithful to them in the past. And he had rescued his people. And stay true to his promises. They knew that had been God in the past. And they knew that even in the present, really they were living in exile because of their unfaithfulness. But even in exile, they knew that God was still faithful to them. And they trusted that God, the God they worshipped, the one true God that we worship, they knew that he was going to be faithful in the future. And, and so they trusted him. And they said, you know what? God says, don't do this. And so 
we're not going to do this. So they didn't bow down. And I mean, there was a large crowd, but, but those jealous people I told you about earlier, those jealous leaders, they noticed. They noticed these guys who weren't bowing down, and they immediately went and ratted them out to King Nebuchadnezzar. So they went to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, Hey, look, these guys, these Israelites, they won't bow down and worship like everybody else. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, Is this true? Is this true? And he says, look, if so, I'm, I'm going to play the music again. And if you bow down right now, everything will be good. But if you don't, I'm going to have to throw you in a fiery furnace because I'm a man of my word. And here's how they responded. Daniel chapter 3. They gave a little speech. They said this. They said, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And this to me right here, I mean, this is an image of faithfulness. Obedience, loyalty, fidelity, even though they know it's going to cost them something. They know it's going to cost them their lives. And they could have made so many rationalizations and excuses and just bowed down and been part of the crowd. I mean, they could have said, you know what, if we die then worse people are going to be put in our place. I mean, we're actually playing a good role here. They could have said, you know what? We don't like this about King Nebuchadnezzar, but we like him, and so we're just going to bow down and do it. They could have said, you know what? Nobody's going to notice this. This isn't a big deal. We'll just do it. They didn't do any of those things. Instead, they remembered God's faithfulness, and they were faithful to God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faithfulness led to King Nebuchadnezzar's furiousness. And he was furious. He was angry. He was irate that to his face they would be disobedient to him, the one who he had their life in his hands. And so he, he, he was so angry. He said, you know what? I'm not going to just throw you in a furnace. I want you to turn it up seven times hotter. And I want you to bind these men so they can't run around. They can't escape just so they, they, they suffer. And, and so he ordered his men to do that. And his men did that. They threw them in this hot, fiery furnace and it was so hot that the assistants who threw them in there died. They burned themselves. And then in Daniel chapter 3, we continue in the story, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, he was looking at everything that was going on. Looking at these men he had just had thrown in the fire. And he leapt to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, he says, wait, wait, wait. Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? they said, certainly, your majesty. He said, but, but look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. 
Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be cut into pieces. You know, he wasn't like a completely transformed person, okay? Shall be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And that's how this kind of chapter in the story wraps up. And I love this ending. I love this ending where King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he sees these men radical faithfulness to their God. Then he sees God's faithfulness to them and it, it makes a huge impact on him. And so what does he do? He, he praises the one true God. He promotes the men. He no longer prohibits the worship of the one true God, our heavenly father in his area. And we see that, that he's changed at a level. He's impacted. And I don't know about you, but like when I read this story now, I mean, revisiting it again as an adult after hearing it when I was a kid, I mean, I was noticing all sorts of new different things I'd never noticed before. But, but the biggest thing I noticed is that, that I want... Big and bold faith like these guys. I mean, is that what you want? When you hear this story, I mean, do you not want that level of, of courage, of radical obedience? Do you not want the strength to do like these guys did, what, it, what is good, what is true, and what is right? I mean, when I'm reading this story, this is what I'm drawn to. And when we dive a little deeper into the story... What we begin to see in this chapter and in another chapter of the story, we actually see how we can have big and bold faith and faithfulness like these guys. And what we find as we kind of dig a little deeper is that the big and bold faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually started small. Their big and bold faith started small because if you go back earlier in the book of Daniel... We find that this wasn't the first time that these guys had faced kind of a challenge where they had to decide whether to be faithful or not. Earlier, when they were kind of pretty new young guys in the kingdom years earlier, there was kind of a similar incident on a smaller scale. And one day they were feasting in the palace and, and people brought them meat, wine, food like everybody else. And, and these guys... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were like, oh, wait, wait a second. This meat, they knew this meat had been sacrificed to idols, that it had been ritually offered up to them as an act of worship. And so they said, you know, hey, look, we, we know it's just like a little piece of steak. We know it's a little piece of steak, but we can't do this. We, we shouldn't do this. If you could, just bring us vegetables and water. I mean, it was something seemingly insignificant, but they knew that, that their God, our God, wanted them to be faithful in the small and seemingly insignificant things. And they didn't know how this was going to turn out. I mean, they were new to things. They didn't know if King Nebuchadnezzar was going to get mad. And what ends up happening is they, they end up being given vegetables and water and, and not having to eat the food like everybody else. And over time, they actually grow stronger and wiser than everybody else. 
And what we see is that their, their small act of faithfulness, rejecting a little piece of meat, that as they're faithful, their faith grows. As they're faithful, their faith grows. And so then when they come to another challenge, their faith has grown and they're able to meet that challenge. And if we were to f- define faithfulness this morning, the definition of faithfulness that, that I've been focusing on this week is this, that faithfulness is doing the next right thing, trusting God is with you and for you. Faithfulness is the next right thing, trusting God is with you and for you. And so when they were offered that, that piece of meat, they said, you know what, the next right thing right here and right now is to reject us and say, look, we, we can't do that. And as they did, as they were faithful, their faith grew. And then when they had other challenges, they, they did the next right thing. And as they were faithful, their faith grew. And so eventually when it came time in this 90-foot statue, nine feet wide was built, 90 feet tall, and they said, bow down and worship this or die, it wasn't a, a crisis for them. It wasn't a crazy difficult decision for them because their faith and their faithfulness had been growing over time. And so they were able to say, you know what, throw us in the fire. Throw us in the fire. We know the next right thing to do is to not bow down to this statue. And what I want you to see this morning is that just as their faithfulness started small and eventually grew big, like an acorn growing into an oak tree, this is how faith and faithfulness works in our lives. When we are faithful in the small things, our faith grows. And then, and I might even add only then, are we able to be faithful in the big things in life, the really major challenging decisions. And so this morning, the very simple question I want to ask you is what is the next right thing you need to do? I don't want you to think about what would you do if you were in this situation and this government and the the statue. I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think about today. What's the next right thing you need to do today? Because big and bold faith starts small and it starts with singular decisions right in front of us. And so maybe for you, it's, uh, maybe it's just taking time today and spending some time in prayer because you haven't done that in a while. And we know God calls us to love him and love others, so maybe that's the next step. Maybe it's, it's confessing a, a secret sin in your life to God or to, to someone else. Might have to do with people in your life. Maybe it's, it's calling somebody and apologizing to them. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just trusting God with your time. And saying, you know what, I'm going to take a day of Sabbath because I haven't stopped in a long time because I'm afraid if I do, everything's going to fall apart. Maybe you need to stop and just trust God that things are going to be okay. Maybe you need to delete a social media post. Give a tithe and offering, trusting God with your, with your finances. Maybe you have a boss or, or somebody in your life who, who's corrupt. And you need to stand up and you need to speak out against them. Maybe it's, it's planning a date night for your spouse because you promised, I'm going to be faithful to you, I'm going to be faithful to you until I die. And maybe the next right thing is to actually cherish them with your time and your energy. There 
are many, many next steps. And I don't know what the next right thing for you in your life is today. I just know that faithfulness is doing the next right thing. Faithfulness is doing the next right thing. Trusting God is with you and for you. And I believe that, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, if we walk by the Spirit, if we're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help us know and identify what that next right thing is, what the next step of faith we need to take is, if we're willing to slow down and listen. And there's one kind of final big caveat I want to give you as as you think about what, what the next right thing in your life is and as you become willing to take that step. And that is this, that, that in this story, what we find is that their faith took them somewhere they didn't want to go. Their faith took them somewhere they didn't want to go, somewhere very costly. I mean, they said, look, we'll, we'll make this decision and it very well might lead to our death. But I'd rather be faithful and die than unfaithful and live. And here's the thing in our lives, a lot of times our acts of faithfulness, our steps of faithfulness are going to take us places we don't necessarily, we want to go either. And just like they, I mean, they said, look, we, we, th- we, we trust that God's going to save us, but even if not, we're going to trust him anyway. We don't always know how things are going to turn out when we do the next right thing. And a lot of times when we're living with faithfulness and integrity, what happens is it doesn't lead to fame and it doesn't lead to fortune. A lot of times it leads to hardship. It leads to difficulties in our world today. But what we can hold on to is that the God who was with them in the midst of the fire, God who was the fourth person in the fire, just as God was with them, God will be with us, even in the difficulties. And just as God rescued and vindicated them, God will rescue and vindicate us. It might not be on this side of eternity, but on the other side of eternity, we will be rewarded for our faithfulness, the scriptures tell us. And we will ultimately be vindicated when we're living with faithfulness. When we come into God's kingdom, it is made possible for us through Jesus Christ we can rest assured and we will know that we have done the right thing no matter what it cost us in this life today. And we have to remember that on that day when we come face to face with Jesus, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to us. Jesus is the one who was faithful in in the very small things and and faithful in the big things. Jesus' faithfulness led him to death, crucifixion, humiliation, and suffering on the cross. And it's Jesus' faithfulness that leads to forgiveness when we're unfaithful. And that forgiveness is possible. It's possible and it's given freely to you. Jesus' faithfulness enables us to be forgiven when we're unfaithful. And Jesus' faithfulness and his presence and his power in our lives empowers us to do the next right thing. And so this morning, as we close with with a time of prayer, I want you to to ask God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, say, God, what is the next right thing I need to do today? Because big and bold faith starts small. So let's bow our heads and ask God to speak to us and ask God to give us the courage and the boldness and the faith to take whatever next step we need to do.
Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We know that that you are moving in our midst. We know that you are always moving in our world. And we pray that you would fill us this morning and that you would speak to us. And Holy Spirit, I I know that, that there are so many things going on in our lives. There are so many things we're feeling today. There are so many things that are uncertain about the future in our lives and in our country. But we know with certainty that this morning you're calling us to love our Heavenly Father. You're calling us to love our neighbors. And we pray that you would help us do that. And you would help us identify and empower us to do the next right thing today. So Holy Spirit, give us courage. Give us boldness. Remind us of your great faithfulness to us and help us be faithful in the small things and in the big things of our lives. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.